Hey everyone, it's Bella Anima here, welcoming you to another episode of the Timeless Science Fiction Podcast. I'm excited to present to you the third and final part of Anathema. If you haven't listened to the first two parts, I recommend you do. They are free after all. See you soon! Anathema Finale Written by D.A. Augustine Narrated by Christian Neal Ten feet is all that separates you and Jackson from the Doctor and tall alien. What the hell is all this? Jackson asks while motioning to everything around him. Shh, I'm sure you have many questions, the Doctor says. However, it is not safe here. Come, and I will answer your questions once we are sufficiently secure at my hideout. We're not going anywhere until we get some answers, Jackson sternly warns. Yu raises his blade out of concern for both his and Jackson's safety. The alien raises his weapon in response. The doctor quickly signals for the alien to lower his weapon. Fine! he says, before pointing to a nearby tree stump that had been made by the alien's weapon. Ask me your top three questions now, and then the rest back at my camp. While the doctor was saying this, the alien creature ripped the stump out of the ground and brought it for the doc to sit on. You nodded to Jackson and lowered his blade. Right, but where are we? The short answer, I don't know. At first, I thought I was under the earth, but alas, I found that things here behave outside the means of non-science. So, what's your best guess? Jackson interjects. We are in a layered reality. We are still technically on earth, just a different level of it. Some dark domain science has as of yet to discover. Is there a way out? Yes, although it will be extremely difficult. That device the creatures took from you. The flare gun, Jackson asks confused. I assure you it's much, much more than a flare gun. I, however, choose to keep its use secret as to incentivize you to (laughs) keep me alive. Jackson points to the alien. What is that? Hmm... I think he is a trans-dimensional creature. He's stuck here, like me. Can you speak to him? The doctor clicks his tongue. You're out of questions. Let's go. With that, the doctor, followed by his alien bodyguard, leads the two deeper into the forest. After a few hours of walking, the group make their way out of the forest and over a mountain range. Along the way, they encountered many things macabre things, things that gave Jackson feelings he'd only encountered during the war. But the biggest shock came at the end of the journey. It's hard to describe what lay before them as they reached the peak of the last mountain pass. A desolate rock desert, littered with thousands of pieces of debris scattered amongst it. The remains of what looked like strange crafts, some human, others not. The desert stretched for miles, until it came to a point where it met space. As if you were to walk to the end, 
you would fall into oblivion itself. The only thing you could see in the nothingness beyond the desert was a colossal floating structure with an ancient half-dome castle sitting on it. The castle was enormous, like it was being built for giants. Be cautious from here on out, the doctor commands quietly. We wouldn't want the sisters to find us so close to their sanctum. I assure you, that would mean a short but painful death. The group slowly walked through the debris field, past the skeletal remains of lost extraterrestrial explorers, and through the minefield of jagged hunks of burnt metal. It looks like they got stranded as well, Jackson says to himself. I hypothesize that the civilizations these poor creatures came from had mastered transdimensional travel, and somehow this place pulls them in if they travel near it. The doctor leans down and rips a crystal from a dead space traveller's suit. He walks a little further down. Come on, there was it, he mutters. Ah, there it is. The doctor runs over to what appears to be a futuristic human aircraft. Yu taps Jackson on the shoulder and asks, What is that? Jackson shrugs. I think it's an helicopter. Before Yu can continue his thought, the doctor jumps back out of the craft with a strange rifle under his arm. You two are going to need better weapons if we are to make it out alive. Come, our base is nearby. The doctor leads them to a crashed airliner. He nods to the alien, and the alien moves a giant slab of steel from in front of the craft's fuselage, revealing a hole with a cloth draped over it. After you says the doctor, while his compatriot steps aside. You and Jackson step inside and find a well-stocked camp. Candles lit the makeshift room made inside the gutted craft. On the far side of the quarters were rows of strange plants growing alien fruits and vegetables. Next to that was a rain-catching system that flowed into a provisional tub. On the near side, a pot was bubbling under a strange metallic shard around a fire ring. Besides that, the camp consists of two sleeping spots, a craft bench and hand-scribbled diagrams covering the walls. The doctor follows as the alien steps in and moves the improvised door back into place. Have a seat, he says. The four are seated around the pot, the doctor serves each of them the soup that was bubbling inside. After the meal, the doctor tells them all he knows. Well, at least all he says he knows. He says it all began before the war. He was a scientist working for the infamous Unit 731, a biological weapons division of the Imperial Japanese Army. In 1937, he was sent to Nazi Germany to follow the developments of an esoteric group of mystics called the Sisters of Aldebaran. He soon found that the Sisters were remarkably advanced scientists. However, given where they were, they had to disguise themselves as mystics, as female scientists were not generally accepted. The doctor tells of fantastic technology he saw when he was with them. He returned to Tokyo with a great deal of information he had learned from them for almost half a year. He last visited them in late 38. On this last visit, 
he said that they acted strange, more like cultists than scientists. They disappeared right before the war in Europe broke out. He says he was approached by the Gideon Foundation in the fall of 45 to help them locate the sisters. He was intrigued by the foundation due to their strange machines that bordered on fantasy. After finding the sisters' location in the South Pacific, he was given a team to hunt them down. It went poorly. He says he has been stuck ever since. The doctor then lays out an escape plan. The scientist's plan consists of sneaking into the castle, grabbing the device and shooting anyone who stands in his way. A simple yet difficult plan. Yu expresses discontent with the risky plan. Jackson points out the lack of other options. Yu reluctantly gives in. The doctor, excited, hops up from his seat and begins constructing weapons for the two. After a few hours, the doctor steps away from his bench brandishing two rifles. He hands Yu a black carbine powered by the crystal that had been removed from the space traveller's suit. This rifle is powered by a rock with powerful properties that pack a hell of a punch. After firing it eight consecutive times, it will need a cool-down period. Just a few seconds will do. The doctor then hands the other rifle to Jackson. This rifle is equipped with sodium-potassium liquid alloy bullets. Once it connects with flesh, the bullet will explode and rip the unlucky foe to shreds. The doctor places his arms around the shoulders of the two while they inspect their new weapons. Now, gentlemen, let's get the hell out of here. The doctor goes over the plan one last time. The next day, the disc-shaped crafts are frequently seen coming and going from the floating fortress. On the mountain, overlooking the structure, you and the doctor look on. Are they in position? You nods yes to the doctor. Jackson runs across the debris field, screaming at the top of his lungs. A craft quickly notices the spectacle and pursues the ex-marine. In a flash, it comes upon him. As soon as it sends down its beam, the doctor fires a harpoon that is connected by a wire anchored to the bottom of the mountain. It connects to the craft, causing it to sway. The tall alien then fires a harpoon from the debris field. It also connects. The alien then cuts a rope that causes a heap of heavy metal chunks to fall onto the wheeled vehicle the wire is tethered to. The vehicle moves backward, forcing the craft to lower to the ground. The alien, doctor and you descend on the vehicle. They are pleasantly surprised when they open the hatch and find that Jackson has subdued the witch piloting the ship. Burnt blood covered the cockpit as Jackson's bullets had vaporized the soothsayer's bodyguards. The group takes their place in the cockpit. Jackson pushes his gun into the woman's back, demanding her compliance. Now we wait for another to fly by, the doctor demands. After a few suspenseful moments, another craft flies overhead. Follow it! the doctor shouts. Jackson stabs the gun further into the witch's back until the craft lifts off. The craft begins to dart toward the target when it's stopped abruptly. It is covered in a red glow. It just holds it there for a few moments. Suddenly, the red light brings the ship crashing down into the debris field. 
Jackson's head spins as a ringing in his ears begins to drown out all sound. The top hatch begins to turn. The doctor signals for the alien to attack. The alien crashes out of the hatch and finds two goat men waiting for him. He rips the foe on his right in half. He uses the horns from the dead creature to bludgeon the other to death. The red light consuming the vessel is revealed to originate from the white-headed goat man's staff. The alien rushes to kill the foul creature. The creature taps its staff on the ground and a red dash of energy flies out. The microbeam hits the alien's forehead and blows the back of its head out. It then jumps down the hatch. Yu fires several rounds that get reflected by a force field projected from the staff. The creature lowers its staff and holds one hand up, Yu and Jackson ready to let off another volley. Wait! Let the chieftain speak! the doctor demands. The chieftain points toward the castle. Jackson looks at the doctor. You can't be serious. He's coming with us, the doctor counters. We are going to need him. Another ship flies by and they again pursue. They follow it inside the castle walls and then divert into a large empty corridor located in the structure's outer barrier. As soon as they touch down, Jackson shoots the piloting witch in the back, killing her. Let's take a look around, the doctor says, enthused. The four make their way down from the craft. They are all awestruck by the sheer size of the building. The large, moss-covered bricks pile dozens of stories high. Who built this? Jackson thinks to himself. The group begin to approach the inner ring of the castle, when out of the dark shadows the sisters appear. Besides them, they're guarded by four armed, grey-skinned, terrifying creatures with black executioner hoods. Suddenly, a woman steps forward and says something in German. I'll handle this, the doctor says softly. He begins to speak when the German witch cries out in anger and sends a bolt of electricity straight toward him. The bolt connects. The doctor goes silent. Only a few seconds later, he falls over, dead. Within a blink of an eye, the other woman appears right in front of the remaining three. With a touch, the woman turns you and Jackson's guns to dust. The chieftain tries to fight back, however his staff is quickly removed and he is subdued shortly after. The three have their hands bound and are led through the inner castle. They pass through room after room, all filled with beautiful and lurid artwork. From gold chalices, esoteric paintings, to bizarre furniture and blood-filled fountains. Yu, for the first time, drops his iron-clad persona. He looks shaken, despondent. Jackson is worried that he doesn't feel the same. He isn't hopeful, just resigned to accepting his fate. At long last, they reached the centre of the fortress. In the centre was a mile-round lake, filled with the same black water they had encountered earlier. The towering castle walls surrounded the dark lake all the way around, except for a small section on the farthest side. It would look like a giant horseshoe from above. Jackson notices the lead German-speaking woman has the exit device tucked into her robe. The three are led to a platform at the edge of the lake and are forced to their knees. Another young witch recites a prayer over them in a strange language. Then, the entire coven hides their faces under their white robes 
as the leader walks to the edge of the lake. She has the chieftain's staff in one hand and a knife in the other. She uses the knife to cut her wrist, letting the blood drip in the lake. The chieftain, enraged, slides his right hand out of the magical restraints, slicing his own pinky off in the process. He then stands up and holds his injured hand out. His staff flies to him. The lead witch turns around. Horrified, she screams out, Nine! Red energy forms on the end of the staff. The chieftain raises it and brings it back down on the German's head, crushing it. She dies instantly and almost falls into the lake. The triumphant Chimera turns around and roars. The other witches are still huddled over, hiding their faces. The chieftain is puzzled that they seem unfazed by their leader's death. Then the air became warm and water molecules slowly start to flow upward from the lake. A massive object roared out of the lake and levitated dozens of metres above the water. The object, made of bright light, had oscillating rings swinging around it at incredible speed. The chieftain starts to panic as he is lifted by some invisible force. He is quickly lifted to the strange object. He screams as he is slowly de-atomized and the orange light that made up his remains were absorbed into the rings. Then, behold, the light burst, causing Jackson and you to cover their eyes. Before them, a mighty creature flew above. It was horrifying, mostly made of wings, five on each side. It had more eyes than Jackson could count. It surveyed the platform. And then it spoke. Who dare kill my Harold? The castle shook as the ground trembled under the weight of its heavy voice. The one to blame is now dead, Jackson says softly. Good, the little lambs speak. The binds holding the two men are released. The two fall on their faces. Jackson begins to feel weightless as both he and you are slowly lifted into the air. Thinking quickly, Jackson raids the slain witch's robe. He hurries and retrieves the Gideon device from her corpse before he is completely airborne. Terrified, his bones are rattled to their core as they both reach the creature's level. Both feel its dreadful gaze upon them. Nothing is heard but complete silence. Until you speaks up. Why? he asks. What is the purpose of all this? A few moments of silence go by. How am I to answer? Ignorance I expect from a mere mortal, Adam's son. But this arrogance from you, questioning the closest thing to a god you have ever encountered, I did not. Everything you perceive here flows through me, my power. Over eons of existence, I have served. A few more seconds of silence go by. Forever chained to the will of others, given great power to serve more greatly, never having control over my own destiny. Death and free will were the only things that escaped me. My herald was to be the one which I was to free myself. Through the herald I was to pass from life to life itself. The creature went silent. 
Jackson mustered enough courage to ask, Who are you? I've gone by many names, none of which concern me any more. As now, in this moment, in this place, I am the I am. With a thunderous roar, the creature begins to de-atomize you. No! Jackson shouts. Using all of his strength, he lifts up the device, pointing it at the winged monster. He pulls the trigger and a rainbow-coloured beam flows from it. The creature shrieks, releasing its hold on the two. They both hit the ground, hard. You falls unconscious. Jackson looks around as the very fabric of the realm begins to tear apart. Patches of light flicker in and out of existence. Everything, including you, falls away. Before Jackson is a wall of grey mist with a white beam of light cutting through it vertically. He steps through it and finds himself on some sort of bridge in a twilight-coloured paradise. Dozens of the winged creatures fly in the clouds above. Wake up, he hears softly. Jackson, wake up! The scene fades as he wakes up in a dirty hospital bed. Six identical men surround him. They all look just like the man who he had been dealing with since San Francisco. Where, where am I? Jackson demanded to know. They say nothing and continue to wheel him down a damp hall toward a door at the end. One by one, the men turn to ravens until only one remains. The remaining pushes Jackson through a decrepit set of double doors, then turns into the same black bird. The room is pitch black, with smoke wafting through the air. Hello there, a soothing voice calls out from the darkness. Who's there? Jackson answered with a question. Suddenly a dim light clicked on, revealing a grotesque creature. A humanoid bird with a long beak, four wings and two small arms. It was wearing a three-pronged pair of dark glasses. The smoke in the air was from a large hooker hose it was using. It takes another long drag before telling the man to not be afraid. Who are you? Jackson asks. A puff of black smoke envelops the creature. When it reappears, it does so as a man. A tall, grey-haired man, now wearing two lensed darkened glasses. Who am I? I'm your biggest fan. What? What happened? Was any of it real? All of it. Well, except the Gideon Foundation. Uh, that was just a shell company. I was hoping to just get the dock back, find a new way to get the job done. But you, you blew me away. You killed the bastard. You mean the creature? The angel? Jackson starts to ask a question, but to his horror, his mouth disappears. Oh, I'm sorry, chap, I'm not one for chit-chat. However, I'll give you a quick rundown. You killed an archangel, and now <laughs> have powers beyond human understanding. You'll be going down for a rest, and will be awakened when I have need for you. Oh, but don't fret. If you complete my <laughs> work and survive, I'll set you free. A silver coffin-shaped container floats into the room. 
Against his will, Jackson flies back into its open door. The door shuts him in. Out of the small window that is built into the door, he can see the creature walk up to him. Sweet dreams is the last thing Jackson hears before everything fades away. Wow, what a ride. The ending definitely surprised me. What did you think? Let me know at Bella Anima on Instagram, or you can send us an email at timelessciencefiction at gmail.com. Timeless Science Fiction is a production of AHD. I'm Bella Anima, and for all of us here, thank you for listening. And remember to stay timeless.